Wow. Glory, 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 glory. What a two-day blast we've had in the Holy Ghost. You're welcome to day three of Word Alive. So we have established what a covenant and what we are still understanding the everlasting covenant. Day three. We have established the difference between a testament and a covenant. We have established what happens when a covenant is enacted. There are certain things that take place. And yesterday, we took time to dissect and go into all the benefits of a covenant. Now, in every of these, there is God's promises. And there are what we call God's facts. A promise is always futuristic. A promise speaks of something that will happen in the future, but a fact is something that is already accomplished. It is something that is already in the past. So there in the in the scheme of God's dealings with his people, there is what are, there are what is what are called facts and there are what are called promises. How do you assess the facts? When there is a fact, you complete when there is a fact, you can plead, you can beg, you can employ. But a fact is already established. A fact is already established. And so even though you plead, you beg, you supplicate, it will not change the fact that the fact is already in existence. Hallelujah. But a fact is already established, like I've said. It's just like having an ATM ATM um, machine and you have your card. It's a fact that that is your account. If you have the right PIN number and you put in your card, you don't have to plead. You don't have to beg. The machine will release the money. The reason is because it's a fact that that is your account. That is the same, the same way God's facts work. When it's a fact, you don't beg. When it's a fact, you don't beg. So a promise money that has already been deposited in your account, all you need is to assess it with your card. And that cash is as good as yours. You don't plead or, plead or beg when the money is already in the bank account. It's a fact. Hallelujah. But promises are still things that need to be assessed. Now, the covenant or a covenant turns promises into facts. When God walks walked the walk of blood with Abraham, everything he promised Abraham before no more existed as a promise. It became a fact. Genesis 13, verse 15. Genesis 13, verse 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. To thee will I give it all the land which thou seest. That was what? A promise. Now let's look at Genesis 15 verse 18. It says, In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed have I given this land 
Chapter 13, he says, I will give. That was a promise. Chapter 15, he says, I have given. Why? Because in chapter 14, the work of blood took place. The covenant was enacted. From the river of Egypt unto the river, what? The river Euphrates. A covenant has made what was a promise to become what? A fact. So God's facts are not begged for. You engage the laws that make those facts to become yours, and they are yours. Hallelujah. And so, we studied yesterday and the day before, that Paul uses the Greek word diatechy to mean two in terms of the covenant and the testament to be one. So, a testament also means something has been left behind. So a will means something has been left behind, but that what has been left behind or bequeathed to you, you also need to what to claim it. So a will left behind for you, if it is not claimed, can never be yours. Hallelujah. It can never be yours until you claim it. So as long as you don't know what is in the will and you don't claim it, even though you may be rich in terms of what is in the testament or the will, you can walk as a beggar or a pauper until it is unveiled to you. Hallelujah. So when it is yours, in the testament, you do not beg. You have to claim it. It demands somebody to claim it. What did Jesus give us? By the testament. Let's look at them. John 16, 23 to 24. So, a testament and a covenant now has become one under the new covenant, under the new testament. And it means that something has been left for us that needs to be claimed. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. So when you ask the father in the name of Christ, the scripture says he will give it to you. He thought to have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. Or ask and take it. Or lambano it. Or seize it. So that your joy may be full. What are the things that have been left behind that needs to be taken? Divine life. The Holy Ghost. Health, peace, preservation, protection, holiness. All of God's completed work in Christ has been made available to us through the New Testament or through the Testament. So knowing what is yours in the covenant and placing a demand on it is what gives you access. And when you demand as a son, the father is honored. The father is honored when you demand as a son. He says, he thought to have ye asked nothing. Ask and you will what? Receive that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. God has not promised to heal us. He has already healed us. So pro- healing is not a promise. Healing is a fact. God has not promised that he will give us provision. 
he has already provided for us. What we need to do is to make a demand, place a demand on what has been made available in the Testament. Now, what then must we do? We need to understand how a testament works. In a testament, number one, there is what is called a testator. Number two, there is what is called a guarantor or a mediator. Number three, there is what is then called a surety. In every testament, there is what is called the testator. There is what is called the guarantor or mediator. And then there is what is called the surety. Number one, Jesus was our testator in the sense that he's the one that said he will be dying. And therefore, he was the one going to leave behind a will. Number two, Jesus was our mediator or is our mediator. Number three, Jesus is our surety or surety of the new and everlasting covenant. For a testator, a testator must die. We read those scriptures the first day. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Hebrews 9 15. It says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, that by means of what? Death. So, number one, Christ died as our testator, as the one that left the wheel. So, as, our, as the one that left the wheel, Hebrews 9.15 is also telling us that as a mediator, he died as a testator for the redemption of the transgressions. So, the reason, one of the reasons was for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that is the law, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So there are two things happening here. The transgressions of the Old Testament was a type and a shadow that typified what Christ would do under the New Testament. And when he died, he covered the transgressions and of, of what? Of the first testament, that is the law. And then also he now became the mediator for the new testament. And we understand that in a moment. Now the word mediator is the word executor. It is the word for execution. If you were left with a will and there is no executor, the will will lie there buried. You need somebody that will execute the will. The writer of the will is the testator. Jesus wrote the will and died. Because by necessity, we saw in the first and second day that a testator must die or the will is of no use. Then, 
Aside that, he also became our mediator or the executor of the will. You need somebody to execute the testament or what the testator left so you can receive what is yours. Then, in his death, he was our testator. But in his resurrection, he became our mediator or executor to hand over to us what in his death as a testator he left in the wheel. And after he became our mediator, he also ascended on high and sat on the mercy seat at the right hand of the Father on the throne of majesty to become our surety of the new covenant. And that is to say, because I sit on this throne as God, I have sworn by myself that this word cannot fail. So everything that has been given to us in the testament is shrouded in the blood of Christ. Not just the blood. He also became rose up as our high priest to be the mediator of the new covenant. And not just that. He also sat on the throne as our surety to make sure that everything that has been provided for in the testament is yours. So Hebrews chapter 7 verse 20 to 22. The scripture says. And in as much as he was not made priest without an oath. For they have become priests without an oath. But he with an oath. By him who said to him. The Lord has sworn. So when he rose up from the grave. He resurrected as what? Our high priest. But as a high priest with an oath that the Lord has sworn and said that what? The Lord has sworn and will not relent or will not repent or will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Yesterday we saw the typology of Melchizedek as a type of the priesthood that our high priest, our mediator, the one that will make sure that you receive everything that has been written in the New Testament is delivered to you. According to the order of Melchizedek, verse 22, by so much, Jesus has become now a surety of a better covenant or an eternal covenant. We saw yesterday, he says, I will make a new covenant, not as the one I made with the fathers. So who is a surety? It is a form where it is from where we get the word sure or certainty or assurance or security. So he is a bondsman, one who pledges his property, influence that something must surely be done. So he has promised and has put his life and his name on the line that you must be healed that you must walk in prosperity 
that you must walk in abundance, that you must walk in health, that you must walk in everything, power, glory, everything that he died for. He has become our security. He is our security. It also means that he has said in the covenant, he has pledged his name, his property, his very throne. To say, if this thing fails, then my throne does not exist. I don't exist as God. If what I have said fails. His influence is all at the back of it. No doubt he said, he tattoo have ye asked nothing. Ask that you may receive. This is what we have in the covenant, in the new covenant or the grace of God. So a short, a shorty or a surety does for you what you cannot do for yourself and discharges all your irresponsibilities. So he's saying that all of man's irresponsibilities, his sins that he committed in the past, his iniquities, the transgressions of the past, the present and the future, I take on all your irresponsibilities and I discharge for you the responsibilities of my throne. And when we begin to appreciate the extent of what he has done, then we love him more. And we, we, we give him all our all in all. In the Old Testament, we see a copy of the new. In the old, whilst Moses was the mediator, Aaron was made a surety. Moses was what? The mediator of the new covenant, of the old covenant, or the first covenant. But Aaron... The high priest was the surety or the surety of that covenant. In other words, Aaron, anytime Aaron went into the, behind the veil, before the mercy seat, Aaron carried in his effort all the names of the 12 tribes. They were all in his effort. And when he goes before that mercy seat and he lifts up his hand as he pours the blood on the mercy seat he is bringing the names of all the 12 tribes before the king of glory and say mercy lord atone lord is the same with our surety jesus christ when he goes before the father he carries your name he bears your name you don't have a name your name is christ hallelujah he bears your name he's your surety moses stood before the people and god whilst Aaron represented all of them before God. Moses stood before the people, just as Jesus stood before the people for the sins of men and humanity. But when he became our high priest, he stood before God for all of us. Hallelujah. When Moses stood in the Holy of Holies, he bore or had all their names imprinted. Yeah. He had all their names imprinted. I beg your pardon. When Aaron stood in the Holy of Holies, he had all their names imprinted in his effort. His standing was the standing of the people. So if the high priest stood right, the people stood right. When he is standing, the people are standing. When the high priest is accepted, the people are accepted. When the blood he takes there is accepted, the people are accepted. When Christ was accepted, we were accepted. We became the acceptance of God. Our standing became his, his standing because he stands right before God. Therefore, we can also stand right before the Father. That is what 
give us righteousness. When he falls and dies, his people are disqualified. He is the certainty of the old covenant. Whereas Christ is the certainty or the surety of the new covenant. Hallelujah. Tomorrow, we will delve into the content of the covenant. But before we do that, tonight, to bring this to a close, I want to just point our minds to one or two things and then we can bring tonight's service to a close. Now, the new covenant and the old covenant and the everlasting covenant are different. The old covenant was the law of Moses given to fallen men. Was the Abrahamic covenant was the covenant that was given to Abraham, which was extended. And so when God made a new covenant, the Bible says that a new covenant will I make with these people. He was not talking about the covenant with the church or the Gentiles. The reason is that the new, the old covenant was made with Israel. Therefore, because they had an old covenant, the new covenant was actually made for Israel, not for the church. So when we talk about the new covenant, the new covenant is not ours. We are not partakers of the new covenant. We are rather partakers of what is called the everlasting covenant. Because we never had a covenant before. Only Israel had a covenant. We never had any covenant. The Gentiles were never in covenant and never had any covenant with God. So what we received is what is called the everlasting covenant. So the new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah for a reason. And possibly I'm looking to see whether I should start from there tomorrow. I think I want to start from there tomorrow. So they were given an old covenant because they had an old covenant. And so the new that was made was made for Israel. But we never had a covenant. And so what we received is called everlasting covenant. But the good thing is that the everlasting covenant is God entering covenant with Christ on our behalf. Not between us and God. God entered into a covenant with Christ on our behalf. He entered into a covenant with Christ on our behalf. Hallelujah. And finally, the new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah and not with the church. 
And there's a reason why it was made with the house of Judah and the house of Israel. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 to 13, and then I will, and that will be my last scripture. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 to 13. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of where? Judah. So the new covenant was made not with the church. The new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. For one reason. The house of Israel was a covenant, was the, the, the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. But the house of Judah was the Davidic covenant which God made with David. In the everlasting covenant or in the new covenant, the two covenants merged to become one. The Davidic covenant was actually called the sure mercies of David. And we shall look at that tomorrow. And that is also what we call the everlasting, the, the eternal inheritance, the promise. So when he says a new covenant he will make with the house of Israel and with the heart of Judah, he was talking about the merger between the Abrahamic covenant and then the Davidic covenant. There are some similarities over there. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days cometh here the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 9. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. They shall not teach each other their brother. Saying know the Lord. The first knowing is different from the second knowing. The first knowing is when you are taught to learn. When you are taught so that you will know. The second one is intuitive knowing. It's knowing by insight. I will explain that tomorrow. From the least to the greatest. 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. The word merciful there is the word I will be propitious. If you remember last week, Wednesday, I taught on propitiation. I will be propitious. It's, it's not mercy as in mercy. It means by judicial terms, I will be propitious. God does not forgive you on the grounds of your begging. He forgives you on legal grounds. It's called propitiation. To their unrighteousness 
and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You find out that over here in the new covenant, everything is I, I, I talking about God. Whilst in the Old Testament, it was thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The verse number 13, and I end here. In that he saith a new covenant, he has made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Hallelujah. He made a covenant with you and with, with what? With, with the house of David. But you and I became beneficiaries. When Jesus, our blood walker, the one that walked the blood, our covenant partner, the one that walked the blood for us, became our surety and took over the responsibility of that covenant and gave us an everlasting covenant. This everlasting covenant was in Christ Jesus. Tomorrow, we shall look at the contents of the everlasting covenant and how you can take advantage of it. Hallelujah. Rise to your feet and let's pray tonight. Man close ekle telele gedash iko baraso telele bea zonkla tile kasa rako shaklande kile suso badia menko sekle telele bada mezeka la baba baba raba baba 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 zonkla tele kanto lekla ta lekle tele gede gada leka la baba bangoleka ezikla tole mangele katuza ebratole kle tele gede ezuande lekatua rekata la la baba raba the Gentiles were never in covenant with God. To Israel, it is a new covenant because they had an old covenant. But us, the Gentiles, it's an everlasting covenant. It's an everlasting covenant because for us, we never had any covenant. We just stepped in and became beneficiaries of what Christ and God did on our behalf by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. God has cut an everlasting covenant for you and I that we can be partakers, we can enjoy and be partakers and take part in the covenant and in the, in the everlasting covenant. And this covenant gives us rights gives us privileges. This covenant is already a fact because Jesus has already enacted it. His assurity is a fact that you are healed. Don't beg for your healing. Kings don't beg. You are a king. You rule in life. You take delivery of what is yours. You lambano it. How do you lambano it? Know the terms of the covenant of the everlasting covenant and step into it and begin to walk into it. Health and vitality is yours. Begin to walk in it. Abundance is yours. Begin to walk in it. Lack and want is not your portion in the everlasting covenant. Begin to walk in what is yours. Walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. This is a life of the spirit. It's a life of the supernatural. It's a life of the eternal life of God. It's called the sure mercies of David. Hallelujah. And when it comes to tomorrow, we'll look at, we'll look at the short message of David. You'll be amazed. The way God enacted that promise and brought it into being and made it so much sure in Psalm 89 that David will be a partaker of that covenant forever. David, you and I are partakers of what is everlasting. David and his cohorts partook of the new covenant. And even in David's old covenant days, David understood the terms of the everlasting covenant. How much more you and I? How much more you and I? David understood forgiveness of sins. David understood that sins will not be held against him. 
and you and I. The Bible says, he said that God, blessed is a man to whom God will not what? Will not requite or God will not account iniquity to him or, or, or will not give or, or will not put what? Will not um, credit iniquity to him. That's David. That's David under the Old Testament. That's David. So there are terms of the everlasting covenant and we'll partake of it. Tomorrow, it will be brutal. It will be fireworks. Get ready to take hold of what is yours. I say, get ready to take hold of what is yours. I say, get ready to take hold of what is yours. Tomorrow, we shall look at the content of the everlasting covenant and how to walk in it. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. As you walk in this newness of life, as you walk in this consciousness, you will not walk in death. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Three days, day three today, and we are feasting on the word. When it is word time, it is creation time. So things will be created in your life. And things will be created forcefully. Hallelujah. Now begin to speak life. Begin to speak life. Begin to speak life. The Bible says that last night, Jesus took the last supper. And for that last supper, it lasted him three days. Three days of weakness, physical weakness, before he was crucified on the cross. That last supper lasted him three days. The energy of the supernatural received strength, received supernatural energy, received the ministry of the spirit, received the strength of the spirit as you minister life to your body, minister life to everything around you, minister life to your finances, minister life to your health, minister life to things around you, begin to command life to come into things because we have received life of the same life we minister the same mokan de kleskola diza ven klatokle telele katosa endolian kaparatsu sobragia e ven kolotole en kuaka koka ziklatolobo hosa e ziklatekle telelebea in the mighty name of jesus in jesus mighty name amen hallelujah in the name of jesus go in the grace of the lord go in the power of the god go and encounter the glory of god encounter the glory of the ages encounter the power of the everlasting covenant in the name of jesus step into newness of life step into newness of life just as the covenant is everlasting your redemption is everlasting your destiny will also be everlasting in the mighty name of jesus Thank you, Heavenly Father. I bless your people. Anybody that is sick in any part of their body, I curse that sickness. I curse that yoke. I curse tumors. I command them to leave their body. I command weaknesses to go. I command ears, ear infections to go. I command breathing problems to go. I command every weakness in the body go. In the name of Jesus, I minister life to you now. Receive life in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen.